What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have award-winning workshop facilitator and keynote speaker, author, life coach, entrepreneur, Chris Meadows. So growing up, you were, were you an outspoken child or were you shy? I wasn't shy. I wasn't outspoken. I was very obedient. That would be more like somewhat outspoken, but knowing when to speak and when to be quiet. Yes. Okay. So you grew up in old school traditions like I did. Yes, very old school. Yeah, I'm a PK. My dad Amen. was a preacher. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you grew up in the age of when the adults were in the room, children had to get out. Yes, children left the room. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and we wish you would come in there and start chit-chatting or act That's like you right. sit down. Yes, you just knew the, it was uh, silent rules uh, and you just knew them. And you mm-hmm. were obedient, you obeyed them. And uh, children were to be seen and not heard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I remember uh, that since you were a PK, did your parents used to host like other like preacher families or preachers to the house like for dinner and yes. stuff like that? Okay. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did that too. Yeah. Um, now, were you allowed to be in the room when they did that at the dinner table, or or were or did you have to not be in that room then? Well, uh, when I was younger, uh, six of us, I'm one of six, um, the children had a separate table, a place to The kids' eat. table. Mm, kids' table. Mm-hmm. And when I got older, uh, we actually didn't want to be with the <laughs> older people. <laughs> And so we were probably made to be there then at that dinner and you were on your best behavior at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember those. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Got, we got the speech before they came and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then they tell you how you did once they leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You And you had the fear of God of you. Yeah, because like, and you felt the stare if you said something sideways. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah. You'd be like, oh Lord, when they leave, it's gonna be on. But and then the the thing with me that was so um, different now that I'm thinking, uh, as I said, I was a uh, an obedient, or I I, I strive to be obedient. Uh, I was a very obedient child, and um, the thing with me is I felt like if I was obedient then my parents and God would be pleased with me. And so at a very early age, I processed uh, what I was being taught as that was the end all be all, being obedient. And so that was kind of where I sat as a child, which sometimes was a good thing and sometimes not, but um, it was the place that I started. That's, that's kind of where I started. Because that was your foundation. That's what you yes. were, that's what you were taught. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you that's how we were raised. And you if you stem it was it um if you raise up a child and that's the way they'll go. So you couldn't help it. Yeah. Now, would you say that growing up in that fashion is what led you to public speaking? Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was four, I was a solo singer. They used to stand me on a piano stool because I was a little bitty thing. Mm-hmm. And I would sing solos in the church. Um, and they would uh, have me lead songs in the choir. I was only four. And so, and then from, from singing, they would have me do speeches. Uh, I would do poems and um, I would do certain prayers. Uh, and I was four or five years old and this went on. I remember at 12 years old, I was teaching Sunday school at 12. And so, yes, um, really? that's what, yeah, that's what actually got me started speaking uh, was definitely the church. Like a lot of people say, well, I started my singing career from the church, but actually it's a lot of speakers uh, who are doing um, different type of motivational, inspirational speaking uh, and on different platforms of facilitation that started in the church. And we don't talk about that a lot. We talk more about the singers coming out of the church, but there's a lot of speakers that have come out of the church. That's very true. I didn't even thought about that spinoff. Yeah. That is very, very true. But I'm stuck on the Sunday school. You was teaching Sunday school at 12? Absolutely. Yes, I was. I remember it. I remember teaching. Yeah, I was 12 years old. Now, how did that come about? Uh, As a child, I was very interested in uh, the things of God. I was very interested in the Bible. I was very interested in the stories. Um, I had a, I was in a small church and they taught one-on-one teaching. Uh, the mothers did teaching, some of the deacons, a lot of strong teaching going on because they didn't have children's church. They didn't have a youth uh, ministry. You had to learn with the grown folks. Mm-hmm. However they taught, that's how you learn. I would go to Sunday school. I would go to Bible study. And I'm sitting in there with adults because there was no children's uh, part for that. And so whatever they were teaching, I was learning along with the adults. And so I was very interested in that. And that um, was very um, rewarding to have the knowledge uh, of the things of God at a very early age. So what yeah. grades, I mean, what ages did you teach at 12? Uh, when I was 12, I think if I remember correctly, I was teaching uh, teenagers. Uh, we had a few teenagers and some young kids. All They lumped all the children together. So it could have been anywhere from um, maybe five, six-year-old children to uh, maybe 17, 16, 17-year-olds. That's impressive for a 12-year-old mm-hmm. to be teaching some 18-year-olds. I know. Yeah, very much so. I didn't wow. think about it at that time, but now, yeah, that that was impressive. I didn't think of it like that. I just thought about uh, I wanted to share what I had learned and what I knew and whatever the Bible lesson was, I would study, read it, and then I'd go and teach it. Wow. You was gifted with leadership at a very young oh, age. Oh, yeah. Very, yes. Very early age. And, I, and I'm glad you're saying that because most people don't recognize their children um, what, you know, we think of them, oh, they're going to be a great basketball player. They're going to be a great, uh, this or that singer or whatever. But sometimes we don't, the administrative gifts, we don't, uh, we don't pick up on. And mm-hmm. yes, I was very much a leader at a very early age. Yes. Yeah. So I want you to tell us about Harvest Girls International Inc. 
Oh, I would love to. Uh, Harvest Girls International was um, born out of pain. I went through suffering, um, you know, just things that uh, I thought that once I got through it and got over it, I didn't want any other woman to suffer the way I'd suffer. And so uh, I started uh, Harvest Girls based out of women. We're all women in a harvest. And it started out of the chapter of Esther. Uh, I was leading a women's ministry at my church, and I led that ministry for 11 years. And we started with a simple um, scripture uh, from Esther. Uh, you've come into the kingdom uh, for such a time as this. And that was the scripture that we, or the title that we used for the women's ministry. And out of that, uh, Harvest Girls was a conception came from that, but I didn't know at that time that was something I was going to be using to start a organization. And as the ministry went on in the church, I started to realize that there was more uh, to women being sisters than just being sisters. You know, we said, oh, we sister, so-and-so and sister, so-and-so, my church. And we were, we were more than that to each other. We were mm-hmm. all women in the harvest, no matter what our nationality, our, no matter what our social status, no matter where we've been, no matter what has been done to us, what it, no matter what we've done to somebody, uh, we have to celebrate the journey. And if we all celebrate our journeys together and hold up one another with our stories, uh, we could empower and impact the nation. And I felt that no matter what has happened to us and what we've done, there's still a celebration in us. And we have to find that celebration through each other. And many times, uh, the reason why I started Harvest Girls was when I went through things uh, like backbiting uh, with between women, uh, uh, betrayal of trust, um, You know, just things that we say, oh, that's just what you go through. That's just what women do. And I'm saying to myself, women don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to be that. And if we are in Christ, we are new creatures. We can change uh, our lives by change. We can change our lives and then change the lives of others. So I created the organization uh, to empower women to celebrate the journey and to find the celebration within them. And so what we do is we go into the community and not only do we uh, have workshops and seminars on everything that you can imagine, we have a workshop and a seminar on it. And our, our real theme is love yourself first, because many times we are not, we don't, we love, we say we love the creator, but we don't love the creature, not mm-hmm. the way God intended for us to love ourselves. And so I always say people that love themselves aren't mean, they're not evil, they're not mad at the world. Uh, They're not uh, judgmental. I feel that when we love ourselves first, um, we give room for growth. We give room for God to uh, manifest in us the things that he has called us to do. And so when I started Harvest Girls, I wanted us to be one big harvest of women. And we do international uh, ministry as well. Uh, We have assisted some of the uh, ladies in Africa with... uh, some uh, tools that they needed to uh, help grow some girls in their country. And we have uh, 
worked all over the United States in collaborating with other organizations and or ministries to um, build a foundation of hope, love, and trust between women and sisterhood and teaching uh, women and young girls, because we do empower young girls with the power to dream ages 9 through 17, and teaching uh, women and young girls that we are more alike than we're not, and that we are more, we have more in common than, than not, and we can empower and impact one another. And we have no reason at all to be jealous of anybody because everything that we need is inside of us. And all we have to do is to try to figure out how to pull that out and make that gift make room for us. God said that it would. We don't really have to make it, but God said that that gift would make room for us and bring us before great men. And so I created that, the organization, for the purpose of empowering women uh, to be all that God has called them to be. I was in a horrible place when I uh, started this organization. I was um, going through divorce. I was a mother of uh, twin boys. Uh, and so what I was trying to do, I was trying to become the titles of what my life was doing. Well, mm. I'm a single mother. I'm a divorcee. I'm struggling with depression because I was going through depression. I was going uh, through so many emotions. And I was trying to become all of those things. Making you were those trying things, to become the negative stigma the negative of those stuff, titles. Of those titles. Mm. And one day I was sitting in the kitchen cooking. Or not sitting in the kitchen, but I was in the kitchen cooking. I went to sit down. And I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me so um, strong and abruptly. And he said, um, stop looking for yourself in other people because you're not there. Mm. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nobody else like you. You are not your circumstance. This is what has happened to you. It's not who you are. And you can turn it around. Yes. And that's that. That was that was it. And I I just wept. I cried and I cried and I cried because it was so liberating that I didn't have to be anything that happened to me. Mm-hmm. That is what had happened to me. But I could take that and use it. Nothing is wasted. Everything can be used. And God told me, he said, you stand on your story, not in your story. Come on. When you stand in it, you're the victim. When you stand on it, you're the victor. Yeah, And he said, but you need to go do the work first. You know, I'm not going to run out here and start saying, oh, well, you can do, do this and do that. And I haven't done the work myself. So I knew that I needed to do some work in me. And that's what I did. I went to therapy for 18 months and maybe even a little longer. I can't remember. I know there was some therapy there. I went to therapy to find out about me. And what I loved about therapy, because I felt like because I was Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm in church. I shouldn't be going to therapy. I should just pray and the Lord will deliver me. And that's the end of it. And I should, I'm not trusting God enough. That's why I'm not, I'm, I'm not being healed or delivered. That's why I'm still in depression. That's why. And it's almost like the Lord arrested me. The Holy Spirit arrested me. It was like, listen, <laughs> do your I'm work. I'm so glad that do you your work. said that you went to therapy. <laughs> Yes. Because church folks crack me up with the whole stigma of you shouldn't go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, you mm-hmm. go to the doctor, so what's the you difference? You do. 
get no difference. It's you get, a, if you get help for your body, get right. help for your mind. For your mind. What's the That's difference? Right. And let me tell you about therapy for me and what I loved about therapy because uh, I actually had the right therapist. And that's another thing you have to make sure you have the right therapist. I, I actually had the right therapist. And this was uh, this was probably 25 years ago I'm talking about. And so this is, here's the thing that, that I loved about therapy. Um, she was not a Christian counselor or any of that. She was just doing her job as a therapist. And so what I loved about it was they, she didn't allow me to talk about, well, they made me do that. They did that to me. She would never let me be the victim. I, oh, I love that. Mm. never let me be the victim. And that was God right there mm-hmm. in that. She would never let me be. She said, well, and I would say, well, I, when I would call myself telling, telling why, she was like, well, why do you feel that way? Well, they did that to me and that made me feel that way. She said, well, no one can make you feel anyway. You have to choose to allow that. And all that was too deep for me at that moment. I'm choosing. <laughs> they doing this to me and I'm choosing to mm-hmm. allow this emotion to come in. I was like, are you crazy? I'm you was ready to fire her, wasn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to get another one. I'm on another therapist. And then when she started revealing to me, or let me say this, I started to reveal to myself what control and power I really had that I didn't know that I had. Mm-hmm. I did not know that that power that was down in me, that God had put in me and raised me up. And it said that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here acting like I don't have no power and everybody doing something to me. And then I find out just through therapy, talking about me mm-hmm. and going inside and digging it out. That's why I say everything you need is on the inside. God created us complete, entire, lacking nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything is on the inside of you. Everything. And so when I went inside, deep inside, and she said, you can't blame yourself about anything in this session. You have to sit there and tell me what you could do different. How could you change it? How could you change your thought process? How could you change your actions? And when I started doing that and she sent me homework and I went home, I mean, just a whole world on the inside of me opened up along with prayer, Mm -hmm. along with studying. And along with therapy. Now, in the beginning, I was on medication because the doctor was just medicating me. And the medication did nothing but medicate me. It didn't solve the problem. It didn't do the work. It didn't do anything. And I said to um, uh, the doctor, this isn't helping. This isn't doing anything. And he said, well, you want to go to therapy? Oh, no, I can't go to therapy. Oh, no. I could take the pill. I want you to hear me. Mm-hmm. I could take the pill, but I didn't want to take the therapy and do the work. Mm-hmm. So like you said, we'll take a pill, but when it comes to processing, we sometimes we don't want to do the work. Right. And so I started, and, and I'm, and, and I'm going to segue into something with Harvest Girls with this. I started, left the, got off the medication, started going raw, heading into therapy, working through that. So as Harvest, and once I started, to gain my power, to understand how powerful I was, to gain my self-control, to gain my mindset, everything changed. Uh, putting those components together, therapy, God, Bible study, everything, putting that together, taking control and using the power within. When I went started Harvest Girls, 
And I started to stand before women, tell my testimony. It was so uncomfortable. No, people were like, oh, you telling too much. You saying too much. Girl, you need to keep that stuff to yourself. If I do, none of y'all will be set free. Right. Because the problem is nobody, that's what the harvest is all about. We build each other up and we talk about our stories. I ain't saying you got to tell everything. I'm just saying that you ought to be able as a leader, you ought to be able to use your life at some point to empower someone else. Because see, it doesn't really, the, the word says that we won by the word of the testimony. Mm-hmm. And when I'm standing before women, I'm saying, this is what happened to me, but this is where I am now. And if you can do the same thing, God is no respected person. This, you can stand up and stand on your story as a victor as I'm standing on mine. But we have to hear sometimes the stories of what has happened to you that got you to this point. Because when I tell the story in the secular world, I can't talk about Jesus. Can't talk about God. And some people say, well, you shouldn't be doing that if you can't. No, the ministry is still the same. Mm -hmm. He's in there no matter whether I call his name or not. Mm -hmm. Because he's in me. Mm -hmm. And people feel that when it comes through. And uh, when I tell my story uh, in the secular world, when I've been hired to speak to uh, to do workshops for um, the state of Indiana and all those different places that, you know, they wanted to be kosher in a certain way. And I keep it that way uh, because I do want to come back because I want to be able to continue to give them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until they can walk and talk and empowered, be empowered on their own. Right. And so when I do tell my story, I tell it the same way pretty much I'm telling you. But I, 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 I just segue off a little bit and come back and say, I have to say, I have to say, if it had not been for God, I may, I get it in there one time. Right. I get it in there. And some people would right. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we keep It's it no different there. than like a Grammy win. Absolutely. Like when they say, Absolutely. you know, first yes. I want to thank God. Yes. And then they go into, I want to thank my producer. Yes. And da, 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 da. Same, no. same thing. Yeah. Ministry yeah. is in you. So it's going to prevail no matter what and you mm-hmm. can't and I want to reach the masses when I started when I came up with the name Harvest Girls this is how we got the name the, mm-hmm. the in the book of Esther uh when it said she uh got with her handmaidens and they prayed before she she went into the king and and because they knew if she extended he didn't extend the scepter she could be she could be killed because the king had to receive you and mm-hmm. she got with the girls uh, her handmaids. Well, I have a new international version, and it says she got with the girls in the harvest, and they prayed. And so I start saying harvest girls to my sister friends in, in the church. And everybody can say, what is a harvest girl? I want to be one. What is that? Mm-hmm. And we just start saying, hey, harvest girl, because we were girls in the harvest that prayed together. And so Esther was a queen, and she had handmaids, and even though they had two different social uh, statuses there, they still were all one. And so that's what I'm talking about. We are all one in the harvest. And so we start calling each other harvest girls. And then when I was getting ready to name this organization, I said, I'm going to call it Harvest Girls Ministry. And Lord said, Mm-mm. Holy Spirit said, nope. Call it Harvest Girls International Incorporated because I want you to go where churches and ministries can't go. I want you to reach people that if they, that they'll receive you because 
because you don't say ministry Mm -hmm. and it will open up more doors for you where I want you to go if you don't tag that. Right. And so I did, I did exactly what I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me. I, I named it Harvest Girls International Incorporated and it has taken me to places far beyond what I could ever hope and dream for. And that's when I say starting out as an obedient child, (laughs) uh, I listen and I'm not perfect and I do make mistakes, but I, my spirit, I have an obedient spirit. And so when I heard that, I said, I'm a bill because I really wanted the name of Harvest Girl Ministries. And I didn't know the the, the vision, but God knew. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's why I stayed obedient to Harvest Girls International. He said, because you're going to be international. You're going to go all over the world. And I thought it meant traveling. And, and, but it's, it's, it's been so much more than just traveling. It's been, now that we have the internet, now that we have um, the Zooms, and now that we were able to, to ship items and do, so it was bigger than what I could ever dream. Mm-hmm. And so I have just been um, just excited. And I'm a very quiet spirit, so somewhat. I, I, I do post <laughs> and I put and I put my stuff out there. I'm saying someone, I'm talking your head off. So I, I post, I put, but I, I always do it um, decent and in order. I don't, I don't want to. It's um, per- you have a purpose behind your post. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I love your spirit, but <laughs> you're like I'm. I have a quiet spirit, girl. But I'm telling you to have. No, 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 no. I'm like you are quiet, but the woman of God is not quiet. She has a mighty roar, so yeah, you need yeah. to cut that out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I need to cut that out. Need to cut <laughs> I that will out. agree with you on that today. I will cut that out today. Starting today, I'm your flesh is quiet, but but yes. the woman of God of you, she loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that's so funny because I had a girlfriend came. She came to hear me speak, and she when it was over, she pulled me to the side and she said, "You're not the same person." When you're up there speaking, it's like you turn into somebody else. Yeah. And I said, I absolutely do. I said, it's the anointing. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. I, I'm Chris. But when I when I hit that podium, I, I do know. Because when I say the first sentence, that's me. And past that, I don't, that's. You don't that's remember nothing else. Yeah. You, you don't remember nothing else. Yeah. 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 And, but it's so funny because I hear that so often. I do hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to stop saying that. I'm a shy. I just I am. I'm a quiet person. You are, but that other half of you, no, she ain't. No, she's not. <laughs> no, she's, she's not. not. Yeah. And which kind of goes into a good segue of your book that you co-wrote, mm-hmm. a female leader. Yes. 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 So let's talk about that as well. Yeah, the female leader. Uh, when I was asked to... Um, well, actually, I want to back up a little bit. Look, sure. Actually, I want to back up. I want to talk about the scholarship that oh, the Harvest Girls is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. Yes, that that's my passion as well. Uh, let's see, about 10 years ago, uh, we started hosting an event called the White Party. 
uh, it was a party that I was trying to think of a way that we could get, it was for women at first, and now it's just a, a community uh, event. Uh, but but we, to get women together, to, to dress up, to be pretty, to to love how we look and be excited about each other and, and have, a, have an event and, and, and use it as a way to raise funding. So we had an auction and we had a raffles and things of that nature. And uh, we started out, um, I, I, I didn't know what I was going to raise the money to do at first. And um, I said, we will, um, it's called If the Shoe Fits, White Party. And some people say, well, what does that mean? That means if the shoe fits, if there's something you can do to help, if you've been in somebody else's shoes and they need help and they need to support and you can do that, then support if the shoe fits, wear it. If mm -hmm. you can find a need, uh, you heal it uh, by giving. And so that's what we do. And we were in, initially, we raised shoes. We had people bring shoes, very gently used and new shoes. And we don't, and we sent them out to the um, women's shelters. And we took all kinds of shoes, uh, tennis shoes, dress shoes, casual shoes, all kinds of shoes. Women were bringing new, because women have shoes. We mm. have more shoes than we could probably need and uh, use. And so we had shoes coming in. People had brand new shoes, gently used, just shoes, shoes, shoes. And we were able to distribute them uh, across a couple of women's shelters. And so it was called it the shoe fits. And then the next stage, I said, I want to do more than just shoes. I want to support the young girls. So since we support young girls, how could we do this? Well, so let's give a book scholarship, college book scholarship. So our first person, we gave a book scholarship to, I think it was $200 to one mm -hmm. person. That's the best we could do. So we did, and I always feel like if you can do one, you know, you've reached somebody. Right. And so I, we did one. And so then the next year we raised it up to $500, one person. Well, then the, the, the event started to grow and I didn't kind of know what I wanted the event to look like. I didn't want it to look like church. Although right. most of the people who were attending were church people. So it was kind of breaking the ice with the little jazz music. Cause we only had uh, a combo and they play a little jazz and we eat and then we have a uh, auction and then a raffle and try. And so the mindset of some of the church people are like, oh, I'm not going to be gambling and mm -hmm. it's too much going on in here. And so I said, OK, we're going to take it to the street. And when I say take it to the street, we're going to hit some. We're going to just go into the community right. and just and just let this be a community event. So what we did, we opened it up to the community, guys, uh, husbands, wives, guys, um, uh, women we just opened it up to the community it wasn't just a women's event anymore we went from 25 people uh from the first event to the last event we had before uh, the pandemic was 250 people wow and we went from 25 to 250 and we went from giving one girl a scholarship to giving six girls a scholarship well amen and, yeah and our scholarships went up from 500 to now we give Twelve hundred, a thousand, and seven hundred dollar scholarships, and they are book scholarships. But we were, uh, we wanted to really be a blessing. So we said, if you don't need it for books, we will allow you to use it for tuition. So now it's it's just our scholarship, and so it can be used for books or tuition. Amen. And uh, yes, and so we've been doing that for ten years. 
10 years we've been doing oh, that. Wow. And Amen. that, and we have women, young girls who have been with us the whole four years because they can, they can renew the scholarship uh, every year if they uh, follow the guidelines and, and stay with the guidelines and the GPA and all that. Um, so uh, we've had one young lady graduate with a master's in uh, nursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had one young lady that is in, in the doctoral program. She's going to be a doctor. A matter of fact, I think we have two that's doing that. We have another one being a nurse. We have some other scientists, um, ladies, girls that are going on to be scientists. We have one lady that started her own organization. And we've just seen them grow and flourish. And we follow them all the way through high school. We have a mentor who, who supports them. We don't just give them the scholarship and leave them. We support them. Mm-hmm. by, uh, you know, feeding into them and sewing into them uh, items, things, and mentoring them with wisdom and knowledge. We have programs and all that uh, to keep them on point and to keep them moving forward. So I'm, I'm so excited about it. It's called the Power to Dream uh, College Scholarship. And, those, and, the, and it's open now. We can take applications now from uh, March 1st all the way through May 16th. And if they go to harvestgirls.com uh, and click on uh, the power to dream, uh, then that would open up the page for the scholarship. That is awesome. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I had girls in college and that is pricey as all get out. So mm-hmm. any Especially kind of help. Books. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And that's yeah. not like once per year. Right. That's ongoing. Right. Those teachers keep throwing books at them. Yeah. And what we do, like we take the, like if you receive a $1,200 scholarship from us, Mm -hmm. you get 600 the first semester and 600 the second. Oh, that is wonderful. So that you can, we can help support that whole year. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. What That is a huge blessing. Yes. On on a lot of families. Yes. Yes. So, uh, and we have some amazing sponsors. We have had people who have sponsored the whole 10 years. We've had people who have uh, started to jump on the bandwagon of sponsoring and they've continued for three or four years. And we've had so many people who've been dedicated, even through the pandemic last year, when we were not able to have the fundraiser, mm-hmm. we, we were able to still provide those same scholarships to five girls uh, based on sponsorships who were dedicated to making sure that they receive those scholarships. So Amen. to my sponsors, you know who you are. I applaud you. So Amen. amazing. Yes. Amen. God bless them. Yes. Amen. Now I now I want to go back to your book. Mm-hmm. The, the female leader. Yes. Now what was that? Uh, what is the book about? Well, the female leader, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was um asked to do it. I was like, mm, I'm not a leader like that. I don't, because these were, this is an international uh, published book. It mm-hmm. published all around the world. It published, it, um, it was released in, uh, I think, Australia and Ireland and all these different places. And so I thought, in my first mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not that person. Um, they are looking for somebody else. And Mm -hmm. so I was told, no, uh, this is something that I feel that you should do. I've been watching you. Uh, I've been looking at you and you fit right in. You would work so perfectly. And so, um, 
I did submit my uh, story. It's a, it's the female leader is about empowerment, confidence, and passion. And it talks about your journey to a leadership. And so my story is one as authentic as I am. I started my story with my first line is I thought I was going to die. That's Mm. my first line. And I, from there, uh, shared how I went from believing that I was in death in my life, in everything, my finances, my mind, my body, everything. I just felt like I was going to die and how that I was pulled from that mentality of that situation and position into a leader. And the leadership just didn't start. When God calls you to be a leader, you're not just called um, to lead in the church. And and I want to say that, or there's a possibility that you can do both. I I get that. But what I'm Mm -hmm. saying is I started my leadership in the church as a young girl. And I thought, okay, after that, nothing much really happened, but I started to rise in the corporate world uh, as a leader. And I said, oh no, I'm not a leader in the corporate world. No way. And Hmm. I started to rise just by being who I was. I felt like it was second nature to me. People said, oh, we see what you're doing. You're doing this and you're so doing so much. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm just doing what I do. But when it's a gift, it feels like it's just second nature. You know, you're just doing it. And so as I started to rise up in the leadership, but what God was trying to get me to see is to accept it. I was Oh yeah, I'll take it. I'll take the job. I'll do it. But I wasn't accepting the calling of leader. Mm-hmm. And once I started to accept the calling of leader and I was able to stand in that, then I felt worthy of being a leader. And then I started to feel worthy to write in the book and to bring forth uh, some of the, the fruit that uh, I had uh, grown from just my journey of leadership. So this is just about empowerment and confidence and passion uh, on your journey to leadership. And most of the stories in the book um, don't uh, tell a lot about how they came from not feeling that they were a leader to being a leader, but from where they were now as being a leader and how to continue on. I decided to tell my story and then uh, take you into steps into becoming a leader. And so I always want to share a little bit about me so that you can see that I'm no different than you and everything that you need is on the inside of you, just like it was in me. Yes. So how can we find that book? Well, this book now, um, probably you would have to uh, go to my, um, I say you would have to probably go to my page at harvestgirls.com, the female leader. Mm-hmm. And then you can request a book there. Okay. And uh, that's the one way to get it. I don't think it's, um, uh, it is probably on Amazon, but it would be e- It would be more expedient for you to get it from me, uh, price-wise and everything. I think that you should order from harvestgirls.com. All right. Sounds good. So what's next for you? Oh, wow. What is next? Um, <laughs> that is... <laughs> That's a loaded question. It is loaded because (laughs) here's the way it's always kind of been for me. Um, I always never uh, many times know what the next move is until the next move appears. Mm -hmm. And so my thought process is this. 
now that we're in the what is it the internet the like Skype I've never been on Skype so this is my first time and so I have to learn the press so I'm going to train myself I'm going to go do some work that's mm-hmm. next and I'm going to train myself uh how to uh, do more uh, as far as reaching people and uh, the biggest thing that I'm going to be teaching on and the next thing is love yourself first uh we're going to be talking a lot about self love on every level when you love yourself first, you want to get your finances together. You don't just want to be running around here with raggedy finances and don't care about your credit scores and don't care about all that's not love. Uh, I, I want you to love yourself first in loving how you treat people and not loving yourself first, how you treat yourself, loving yourself first in how you take care of your health and your, and your body. Cause I'm learning that myself mm-hmm. and, um, practicing that. And that's, and talking about, you know, like drinking eight glasses of water, cause that's the best thing for you. That's how you love your body is give it what it needs. And so I'm just wanting to reach, um, more women who would be open, uh, to allowing me to empower and impact their lives through loving yourself first. And sometimes it's not pretty, but it is necessary. Uh, I, I am a, I am a certified life coach and I have, um, I've been through so many classes for myself that I'm using those same classes to help empower, uh, other, other women. Now, how can people find you? Well, you can find me. Uh, I know that this social media is huge. So let me see. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, Chris Meadows, C-R-I-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S, Chris Meadows. You can find me on Twitter, Chris Meadows. And you can find me on Instagram, Chris Meadows. Wonderful. All right, here's your last question. You ready? All right, yes. If you can have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Oh. Oh, any song. Well, I, my favorite singer in the whole wide world, anybody knows me, is Gladys Knight. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and she sings this song called um, Love Finds Its Own Way Through the Darkest Night. Love Finds Its Own Way. It Needs No Guiding Light. Hmm. Um, and some, it's a slow song. But uh, that song would be my theme song, walking in a room um, and just sharing that. Because if it was not for, if it were not for the love of God that I had to experience in my life through my lessons, through my ups, through my downs, and knowing that he gave me everything that I needed, I did the work. Uh, to to help draw that out and I'm continually drawing that out because you never reach it as long as you live it still comes out that's why that would be the theme song because that song talks about if you're looking for love it yeah. will find you it will find you it finds its own way yes. and it's through the darkest night it needs no guiding light that, come on that now my theme song. All and right, now. I, I love, love that it. yeah love yourself first Love yourself first. Some people say, well, that's selfish. No, it's necessary. Because if you loving other people more than you loving you, you just pouring from an empty vessel. And who's going to fill you up? Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you asking me uh, to come on. I know uh, that this is just the beginning of some things that we'll probably do together. I feel that in my spirit and I just look forward to us meeting again and collaborating on, on some things that empower women. I love what you do in the community. I love what you're doing and uh, keep doing what you're doing because it's much needed. We need to hear the stories. We need to hear the stories. Amen. Thank you, Chris, for being on my show. I cannot tell you how much I truly enjoyed you. And like you said, you and I are going to definitely reconnect. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And oh, yeah. Did you know Worldly Church Girl has gone live? That's right. Worldly Church Girl is live. You can see Worldly Church Girl on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And have you subscribed yet? Why not? What are you waiting for? There are so many hot new shows coming. You don't want to miss another thing. And if you've just started, you might want to go back and catch a few of the other episodes. Because trust me, they're just as hot as this one. And as always... Thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.